We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Speaking of a curse, obviously, Fachi got Tyrese hurt, so we weren't able to see Tyrese again. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. We weren't able to see Tyrese into the banging up his knee. And honestly, I think he probably would have played through it if it was a playoff game. I think I he think was so. tired and he wanted a break. And he, yeah, he bruised his knee a little bit. I mean, he obviously came a hobbling. But I just think that at this point, they've been playing so many games. He's got a lot of attention, playing a lot of minutes. Probably just wanted a, a game off, especially when you probably knew you weren't going to beat Minnesota. That was going to be a tough one to win. Um, so they were, I think they were trying to get that victory against Washington and then just kind of coast into Minnesota and probably just expect it to be kind of a scheduled loss considering it was their third game in four nights against the best team in the NBA with the the best defense, the best defensive rating in the NBA. But in addition to that, Fachi, they had some issues getting to Minnesota from DC. Their flight wasn't able to fly out after the game, so they have to stay in D.C. overnight. They were able to get that figured out. Then they flew in the afternoon to Minnesota, to the, and then they just pull up to the Target Center, so they don't even stay in a hotel, and they go straight from the plane to the arena. It's just a weird sequence. You know, you don't usually see this with NBA teams, and then they go right in and shoot around and get ready for the game. I mean, just a, just a weird sequence of events. Illusion, NBA is against us, but no. I just think it's unfortunate. Um, I think when when that is also thrown in there, it's like the odds were stacked against the Pacers. You got no Tyrese. You're 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 basically pulling up to the game and then playing, so you're out of your routine. The Timberwolves already a really good team. I had very low expectations. Yeah, but in the first half, I was very surprised. They played the their Pacers butts off. really 
hung around. They only trailed 57 to 55. Yeah. I was like, wow. And I won't, I, the Pacers were leading for a while. Uh, but yeah, things obviously changed. A third quarter really uh, busted that game wide open. And I just felt like, you know, in your article, you had a lot of great stuff, but the, the power of a second star. I yeah. mean, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, those two players combined for 77 points. Yeah. I mean, they had moments. It was like Towns had, I think, 14 in the first quarter and had zero in the first quarter, but then I think Ant had like almost 18 or 14 or 18, 18 in, in the second quarter. 18 in the second quarter. It was just they, those two players were so good. For, for Minnesota, and obviously they're already a really good defensive unit. So when they got those guys combining for 77, yeah, it's going to be tough. But, Alex, here's the thing. It wasn't just those players in classic fashion. I mean, Minnesota shot a season high 56% from the field, a season high 60% from three-point land, and a season high 18 makes from three-point land. That's what happens when you play the Pacers. You set season highs, and we can't have that be the case for just about everybody. Yeah, no, I mean, just the fact that Anthony Edwards gets two quick fouls in the first quarter, you think, okay, how is this going to play out for him? And then he's able to come in in the second and just go off like he did for like 18 points. And the Pacers literally just sit there and play the same coverage on him over and over and over again, see no real adjustments. They never, the Pacers have done a very bad job. Uh, to me, when a guy is cooking, trying to double team them. We can go back to the Bucks game when when Giannis is going off. They didn't double team; they just left left him on an island by himself with whoever was guarding him. And I'm like, what are we doing? We don't have that type of team that can guard, you know, a Giannis or even a guy that can really guard Anthony Edwards. Like Anthony Edwards is a great player, and I think he's a superstar in the making. Like he Definitely. was fantastic, but you can't sleep on Carl Towns. And I I want to give Carl Towns a lot of credit because that was a guy that seemed emotional. And I, th- I still think he is, but he seemed very emotional and very kind of like, no, I'm the leader of the, the the Timberwolves. This is my team, you know. But then Anthony Edwards kind of was like, bro, just chill. It's my team. But but come join us. You know, be a part of this because yeah. there's a lot of trade rumors out there about Carl Anthony Towns. But instead of, you know, buying into like, oh, I want to be the guy, this, that, and that, he's really bought into that second role and kind of let Anthony Edwards lead the team. And I think Chris Finch has done a great job with, with finding ways to just allow – Cat to play with Gobert and really find uh, some connectivity there. It took a little bit of time. Everybody killed them last year for that trade, but it's paying off. That defense is huge. Their front court is huge. Everybody, the three guys in their front court have like a seven foot wingspan with McDaniels, Towns, and Gobert. So it's it's really something special. Like with what's cooking in Minnesota, and they've kind of built that roster via trade, but they also built it via building through the draft and just kind of finding the right players to target. And while I don't love Rudy Gobert and I don't love what they gave up for him, he's a great defensive center that I, I think he's in the right system there with the with the team they've built together. But, you know, the Pacers, like you said, they hung in there tough. I thought that they were really figuring things out. And, you know, Aaron Neesmith was on fire in the first half. I don't think he missed a basket until the second half started maybe it was the third quarter but you know him him and Jairus Walker played some really good minutes and I felt bad for Neesmith though because they subbed him into the game and they're like okay go go guard Towns it's like the dude's seven foot and Neesmith is six foot five and and so then like he he scores on him the next play he's got to guard Naj Reed and I'm like this is the Pacers problem they don't have fours and 
that's when Carlisle's like, okay, I guess I got to go to Jairus Walker. And it actually worked pretty well. I mean, obviously town still scored and I know Najreed still had some good moments, but nobody was just like going down there abusing Jairus Walker, you know, play after play after play. They kind of found different ways to attack. And that's when Anthony Edwards kind of attacked uh, who, who Nisa was guarding. But like I said, nobody can guard a superstar like that one-on-one. You got to throw different looks at him defensively. No, you have to. And and what we're asking Neesmith to do this year, it, it's insane. It's insane. It, at like six foot five, I mean, he's guarding the guys that he's guarding, you know, Giannis and, and, and Tatum. He's given up size every single night. And I just feel like this is what we're doing now is what we said we weren't going to do. You know, last year when he was, you know, playing out of position, playing the four, it was just like, okay, well, hey, you're not going to have to do that this year. And it's just, I feel like he's the only guy that we could really trust to throw at, you know, superstar-esque players. And I, I love his effort night in, night out. I just feel like he's gotten so much better as a player. But it's always such a tall task for Aaron e. Smith. And I felt like, hey, he was a he was a, a big part of why the Pacers were hanging around and everything. But there was there were some guys that did not show up in this game. Yeah. And just to go around it, I mean, start Obi Toppin had seven points in the first quarter. He finished with seven. He actually only attempted one more shot after the first quarter. Yeah. Buddy Heald goes scoreless. I mean, Buddy can score with some of the best of them. To see Buddy go scoreless in 18 minutes, three turnovers, that, that, was, that was tough to see. Turner, I mean, Rudy Gobert, you know, Gobert had his number in the past. He, he really did. And I just feel like this is a Turner game that you kind of want to forget about, two of seven. So now you're talking about the last two games, he's, he's made four shots combined. It's just not the the Turner that we saw earlier in the year. So I, I think that when you're talking about those few guys, I mean, three of your starters not really showing up, three starters combined for 19 points, it's not going to get it done. No, it's not. Um, I've got a bit of a hot take here, Fachi, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, obviously, we know what, you know, this Pacers team is going to be hard to build moving forward. You know, you got this offseason where you can go out there and make a big splash, but then you got to worry about Miles Turner entering that expiring contract. Mm-hmm. Um, watching that game last night, to me, I, I think that I'd almost rather have a guy like Naj Reed at the center position for the Pacers versus Miles Turner. And part of the reason I say that 40% three point shooter, 50% field goal shooter. So he's a much better shooter. I think he plays much more athletically and the style they want to play. And personally, for me, I feel like Miles has really taken a step back this year in terms of how quick he is. We've talked about it a few different times on this podcast, but he just seems like he's a little bit slower to me. Um, not saying that he's a bad fit, but if you're looking at the price that it's going to like, the, the contract Najreed has now, I think it's like uh, what did you remember what he signed for in the offseason? It might have been a, it might have been a roughly like twelve million dollars per yeah. year. Um, I'll look it I'm up look while you talk. Yeah, well, I got it. I'm, I'm you got it. Uh, it's coming up right now. Okay, I got it right here. Three years for $41 million. Okay. So 13.9. I would yeah. rather pay my center that. That's going to shoot the ball that well and play that kind of like above the rim type style that he can play versus a guy that is coming off this big contract. What was it? $72 million for three years from my was, with that yep. extension. Mm-hmm. And obviously he's got a discounted contract now, but though that year that he got an extra $17, $18 million in his contract, is he going to want $25, $30 million when he enters free agency? And 
to me, it's like, I just don't think that that's worth it for Miles and what he's brought this year. I think I've kind of been a little bit disappointed with Miles overall this year. I think he's taken a step back just a tiny bit, especially when you look at uh, efficiency and points per game. Like, the numbers are down, field goal percentage wise, three point uh, three point percentage wise this year, and he's making uh, he's scoring less than uh, I think it was eighteen points last year. Now he's about Close. like sixteen yep. and a half, so mm-hmm. he's dropped in points per game. To me, he's regressed from last year, and it's like, okay, was that the were we kind of worried about that because we knew it was a contract year? So I don't know. I, I know Nas Reed's obviously a backup, six foot nine power forward center. It's kind of a hot take, but I just feel like somebody like that on a cheaper deal is what I'd rather have at center than overpaying for miles in the next couple of years. Here's the thing. One, I've liked Nas Reed for a while, and I'm pretty sure I brought him up in a random, yeah. you know, how, how do we target him in a trade last year? And we were both like, I don't know if Minnesota wants to give him up. And they made a great move signing him for what they did. I thought that's a steal of a contract. And I think that Nas Reed, if he was a starter on another team, is putting up bigger numbers. Mm-hmm. Two, for Turner, uh, I don't think anyone's going to say that Turner took a step forward this year. I think we kind of hoped, could he duplicate what he did last year? And and to an extent, yes, he's, he's he hasn't like regressed like you know drastically by any means. But from three point land, he is not where he was before. He, he is that he is struggling from three point land. The average in the league is is between thirty five to thirty six percent. Yeah, so he's at thirty two percent. So that's just not where you wanted to, to see. But also. Alex rebounding, he he is he is, he is he's not he is. taking he is what he is he's not he's a roughly seven rebound per game guy that is who yeah. he is and I think that there's always that section of the fan base that hopes that he could rebound closer to ten on some nights we do see it but not consistently enough then we hoped could he get to eight to nine in there like he's a seven and a half rebound guy and I just feel like lately. He's in a bit of a slump. He is, and we need to get him out of it because the Pacers don't have a clear-cut number two guy. But for a decent chunk of the year, he was the number two. And we've always said we feel better with him as a number three. But if that's the case, then you got to be the number three. You can't be three and a half to four, and we're still going to win. And some of these nights, the last few nights, Turner has not been there. I would say over the last five games from a consistency standpoint, I've been more impressed with Isaiah Jackson than I have Miles Turner. Absolutely. No doubt. Yeah, and I mean, I even thought Isaiah Jackson should have got more playing time than Miles did in the Lakers game. I mean, he was way more effective and more impactful down there on a guy like Anthony Davis. And Miles Turner, you know, that was barbecue chicken left and right. I mean, it was. 40-some points and 20-some rebounds, or yeah, 20-some rebounds plus four yeah. blocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know he didn't do that all against Miles, but a lot of it yeah. was against Miles. And so you go and you you watch the Bucks game, and you know everyone was kind of crapping on Miles for that. I'm like, well, Miles didn't guard Giannis in that game. He was guarding Brook Lopez or Hills was out there, so I'm not gonna put him on blast for that. But it's just this is just who Miles Turner has been throughout his nine years, and we've you know we were big on trading him over Sabonis, and we've kind of you know backtracked on that a little bit. And I have no problem saying that that you know Miles kind of showed me a lot last year. Like I I love the energy and the excitement that Miles played with last year. And I thought that he's been a really good leader this year so far. But I feel like the veterans that you're needing to step up this season have disappointed more than they've impressed when they've needed a step up. Specifically, Miles, specifically Buddy, and Bruce Brown. I, I do think that Bruce had a really good offensive game against Minnesota. He stepped up quite a bit without Tyrese being there, played a different role. And I kind of wondered if maybe that role could be something that he looks to, you know, 
growing uh, throughout as the season goes on? Like, could he be more assertive looking for a shot even with Tyrese's back? Because I wouldn't be opposed to that. I just think that he kind of falls back into kind of letting Tyrese do his thing and just try not to upset the fruit basket. But when he needs to score, he's done a decent job at it. But Miles, to me, like, it's just it's just an up and down inconsistency with Miles. And I, I like him. I think that he fits what they're trying to do. But at the same time, he's got to be better. He has to be if he wants to be a long-term piece here and get paid handsomely. He has to be. And I, this is someone who, in the beginning of the year, and you obviously you need to speak it into existence if anything's going to happen. But Turner was like, the All-Star Games in Indiana, and you're going to see me there. And it's like, he's made those those claims before, and it's like, you know, come on. I, I want to see you there. But at this point, it's like, even defensively from like an all-defensive team, like that that chatter has died down. But people yeah. are not people are not being like this man's been robbed of all defensive teams. Like he's got to be on. It hasn't been there this year. And but don't get me wrong, real good player. But we still wanted to see: is there a next level that he could grow into? And I have not seen it this year. To your point on Bruce Brown, the last game that Bruce Brown played really well in against Miami, Miami. where no Tyrese Halliburton, you could see he could take on a bigger role. But we can't have him just fade away, you know, and be, you know, just another guy out yeah. there because this is someone that we do have hope and expectations for. He is handsomely paid. You know, we, we want to see a little bit more on a consistent basis. So, and then right now, you know, Buddy Heald is someone that over the last few games, Alex, uh, we, we got to throw it out there because I feel that when the Pacers are at their best, it's, it's typically when Buddy's at his best. He adds an extra element to this team. Over the last three games, three losses, He's 7 of 27 from the field and 4 of 20 from three. One of those games he got shut out in. It's just you you can't expect to win those games. And Turner over the last two is 4 of 17 from the field. We need those guys to at least be 40 to 50% shooters. You know, they, they, they can't be having games where it's 2 of 11, you know, 0 of 6, and anything like that. They're too vital to the Pacers. I mean, especially if they're going to wrap, rack up 30 minutes a game. That's yeah, exactly too. It's like this roster is too deep to be sitting, you know, playing these guys extra minutes. I mean, I understand the whole entire reason why Buddy Hill got put into the starting lineup. And when he did, he played great. He played really good against Atlanta and Toronto. And he had a nice little stretch there where you felt like, okay, he broke out of his slump. He just needed to get back with Tyrese and be a starter. Well, Water finds its level. We always talk about that. And that's kind of what happened. And I understand that every time you ask Rick or, or Tyrese about Buddy, they're like, oh, he's a good shooter. I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. Well, eventually you got to look at it and say, okay, if he's not being productive, what are we doing here? And he started for he started the last 12 games, and the first 12 games he came off the bench. They were 7-5 and five when he came off the bench, and they're 6-6 six and six since he started. The percentages have gone up since he has started, but he's also getting six more minutes a game and getting more field goal attempts. So I think that plays a part in it, but he's only averaging about like a point and a half more as a starter versus when he came off the bench. And that's in six minutes more per game too. So, and that's just an average. And, and I'm sure some of those are skewed because he had some big scoring nights uh, in games where he was awesome. Because I think that there's like three games, I believe it is. Maybe it is, maybe it was miles that I wrote this about, but um, under 29% shooting wise for three games. And, and that's just, that just can't cut it. So I, I just feel like these veterans, you know, it's bad to me when you've got Aaron Neesmith, TJ McConnell. TJ McConnell has stepped up. I feel like he's done his part. The numbers might not always be there, but he's done his part. But when you've got Isaiah Jackson, Aaron Neesmith, and 
Ben Matherin to a certain degree stepping up and, and playing with more energy in games that you need to win. That's when the veterans have to be the veterans. But that also tells you, besides Bruce Brown, Miles and Buddy have never won at a high level. You know, no. Miles has never won a playoff series. Buddy's never been to the playoffs. And I think that that kind of plays into it a little bit because they don't know what it really takes to get over the hump and, and win these big, big games that other other players have had that experience of doing. That is a great point. And it's true. And you do wish that this team had more experience in winning atmospheres. And that's why this in-season tournament run was so vital to this team. But the, the, the downside is, is that, you know, in, in some of those games, Buddy didn't really show up. And that's what kind of worries you a little bit. Or it's Miles like the, in that big game. It, 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 Miles definitely, like he hasn't been the same since no. that game. So, obviously, everyone's going to snap out of it. Eventually, they'll be fine. But, yeah, I mean, you, the, the way that Turner played and got fouled out and got, you know, dominated by Anthony Davis. And then the fact that Buddy went 3 of 11 against the Lakers, 2 of 9 from 3. I mean, just not much was happening for those guys. You started to be like, okay, wow. Hmm. You know, we do have some good pieces over here. But long term, we do have to realize if the Pacers are to just run it back and re-sign a Buddy and, you know, lock up Turner long term, like, is it enough to – does this team have next gears like the way that we've seen it out of a Tyrese Halliburton or the way that we've seen it out of an Aaron Neesmith? Guys that are taking their game to the next level, we need to see more of that because we hoped a lot of this growth would happen internally. It's happened to, to some players, but some players just have not been able to take that step forward in the first 24 games of the season. I, I totally agree, but I think now would be – the right time to kind of close out the podcast talking about Jairus Walker. Jairus Walker yep. got 24 minutes against Minnesota. They needed his size badly. And I will say this, Fachi, for as worried as I was about him maybe overplaying, trying to prove his worth on the court, I thought he was very even killed. I thought that he only broke out of the scheme defensively maybe once or twice when he blitzed on a pick-and-roll coverage and got burned by Rudy Gobert uh, in the pick-and-roll. But besides that, I thought he held his own pretty well, and he shot the ball well. He had some really nice passes. Not all of them led to, led to makes, but he was threading the needle, and you could just kind of see how he has such a good feel for the game. And I've kind of understood why he wasn't playing, and I've backed up basically Rick Carlisle's decisions with what my, what my commentary has been. But after getting a, a small sample size of what he could do against the best defensive team in the NBA and, and really not being a problem, more so being part of the solution, I would say, to slowing them down a little bit, I, I think that moving forward, he should be getting consistent minutes as the backup power forward. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. You know, when you say, you know, slowing them down, I think the game is starting to slow down a bit for Jarris Walker. I think in the beginning, it definitely did look very fast. I mean, even just a couple of games ago against Milwaukee, I mean, four fouls in six minutes, you know, you're starting to see it, but it's good experience. It is really good game experience. And that's how guys get better. It's yeah. like, you you know, when you watch, you can learn some stuff. Nothing's better than hands-on experience. So 24 minutes against Minnesota, that's a career high, obviously, season high, however you want to put it. He's a rookie. But I think, you know, in your article, you get some great stuff. If you look at the box score, you're not going to get blown away by five points. But I, I just think that he did make some smart passes. He had some good passes to Isaiah Jackson. But also that three-point shot has now actually started to look a little bit consistent, at least the last yeah. three games. He's shooting 50% from three over his last three games. So that's been fun to see. But also he had a couple steals. You know, Little by little, I do think that he can't just be completely out of the rotation. And maybe it's just me watching Bilal Koulibaly look so good. It's at the fact that like he's been playing. Like some of these yeah. rookies have been playing on a consistent basis. So it makes sense to say, yeah, you know, week in, week out, you should get a little bit better. And I think that for Jarris Walker, he will get better. But I just hate the fact that fans are already ready to ah, get, get rid of him, trade him, this, that. No, it's like he could be a really good pro for the Pacers, but it comes with being able to get consistent minutes also when they matter. And I think now he's starting to play a little bit more meaningful minutes than the last five minutes of a blowout. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've made comments about if you have to throw him in a trade to get somebody, then you probably have to just kind of swallow hard and do it, even though it's a tough decision. But if he's not going to play, what's the point of keeping him around on the roster just to collect dust? I, I think that it doesn't make sense to kind of let someone that you spent so much, uh, you know, since you invested so much in and not let him get on the court. But, you know, our good friend Chase Hoops, that's been a big supporter of this podcast, he messaged me on Saturday and was like, you know, what do you think Jairus needs to do to, you know, get into the games more? Or like, what are your thoughts on Jairus? You think he's a good player? I'm like, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. We have no sample size to really see what he can do yet. And it's really hard to give you an honest opinion 
without seeing what he can do in like real minutes. Like you can't throw somebody in at the end of a game for six minutes when they're down by 20 points and expect to learn a lot. You're going to learn some, but at the same time, they're not playing in the regular rotation with the guys that are playing consistently. Everybody's out there trying to prove that they belong. And, and it's just a different environment. You know, obviously they call themselves the green team because they're the ones that are the third stringers, Jordan Wara, Ben Shepard. Uh, you know, Isaiah Jackson was a part of that group before he ended up taking over for Jalen Smith, who got injured. And then, um, you know, Daniel Tice was on that team. So, you know, it was just a weird dynamic of who was on that, you know, on that group right there. But I, I think that the game we saw him play against Minnesota was an example of what you can expect for the rest of the season. I mean, if he plays at his best, I think that you're going to see someone that's a competent defender. That's got a good feel for the game. But I also think just having that secondary playmaker out there, because I think he really does have that. And we saw like those sharp passes. These are not tough. These are not easy passes. Excuse me. These are tough passes that he's making with ease. You know, the bounce pass to Isaiah Jackson, the one that he found Aaron Neesmith on the baseline where Neesmith didn't actually shoot it because he wasn't ready for it. But if he knows that Jarris can pass like that, that's going to be huge. Now, shooting-wise, you talked about it. It did look better. And if he can continue to improve that three-point percentage, that makes you feel better about his you know, trajectory in the league. But last year, we were spoiled because we got to see Nimhard. We got to see Ben Mather and get out there and kind of showcase what they can do. And they did fail a little bit. They definitely fell after the first 25, 30 games of the year because Teams started noticing what they did well, and they were trying to take that away from them, especially Matherin. But I think that Jairus Walker is in a good spot now where you kind of play him in that backup role. You don't expect too much of him, but you still let him get out there to get that on-court experience and just let him let him, let him him fail a little bit by also learning what he needs to improve upon. Because right now, he's always been really good and he's never had to go up against competition. That's that much, that much better than him or equal with him. So you can't really fail by allowing him to fail. I agree. And here's the thing. The Pacers aren't too good to be able to be like, we just don't have minutes for Jarris Walker. This is a team that's like, you don't want to say is like stuck in the middle, but it's like they haven't quite arrived yet. And they have major problems defensively that it's like Rick's got to, he's got to try a little bit of everything. You know, and I, I know that there's only oh so minutes, oh so many minutes that can go around, but we're in agreement right now. I mean, Obi Toppin has not quite been lighting the world on fire lately, and the Pacers are still searching for, you know, who could be most effective at the four. So I do think there is opportunity. Um, but you know, I want to see more of them. I think everybody wants to see more of Jarris Walker. And guys, it ain't always gonna be pretty. He's going to have times where he go, what was that? Or, oh, my God, he really got beat on that player. That's that's a bad turnover, bad shot. That's going to happen. It's called being a rookie. There's going to be a lot of that, but that's the only way to get better. You can only send him down to the G League oh so many times or you could drop 30 and be like, all right, but did he get any better? I don't know. Obviously, experience helps, but you want to have real experience in meaningful minutes. To me, that's the only way for him to truly get better. Yeah, and I think that if they were able to start Aaron Neesmith at the three, which I don't know if we brought up on the podcast. I know I wrote about that article. So I, I suggested in the article that the Pacers start Aaron Neesmith at the three and move Buddy Hill back to the bench. I just feel like it's time. I'm tired of seeing our team just get annihilated, you know, to start games against, you know, bigger wings. And I understand that Neesmith is only an inch taller technically on, on paper than 
Buddy Hill, but he plays three or four inches taller defensively. It's a big difference. Yeah, yeah. And you get some more size and defensive grit out there with Miles and, and Bruce. I think that's a really good, strong defensive three right there. Uh, probably three of your best five defenders on this team. You leave Obi out there for the size you need at the four. Obviously, Ty's not going anywhere at the one. And then you figure things out on the bench. I think Ben and, and, and Buddy can figure it out where they can play together. I think that the spacing would actually help Ben having a floor spacer out there and a Buddy Heel. Now, if Nimhard doesn't play and it's more TJ, I, I, I'm fine with it. It's whatever at this point. Uh, I still think Nimhard should be getting more minutes, in my opinion. But uh, you let Jairus play the four, and you, play, you let Jalen or Isaiah play the five. And I think that will just allow him to get back up four minutes, whether it's 10 to 12 and I, I don't know, but something along those lines, just so you can kind of get a better feel of what he can do. And if he's playing well, then, then try to get him some minutes with a Tyrese Halliburton with the miles Turner, see what that looks like before you just, you know, don't even let it have a chance to be experimented with. And, and that's kind of where I fall into like the fine line of like trying to find the right balance here. But I just think that if we've seen flashes enough, I think he's earned enough in this past game to get another chance in the rotation, especially against a team like the Clippers on Monday who have a lot of bigs, a lot of, a lot of forwards like a Kawhi and Paul George. They got some size on there. So how they go about that, I think they need to consider giving him a little bit more of a run. I would like to see at least 10 minutes a night. I mean, it's really hard to do anything in, in five minutes. You know, 10 minutes, you space them out, two different rotations. I think that that would be good to see. But are we going to get a Daniel Tice revenge game against the Clippers on Monday? That's I mean, I, I want to think about it right now. <laughs> I, I know, I know, but I do love a good revenge game. But I think for Tice, he'll be fired up. I think for the Pacers, no hard feelings at all. But, um, you know, always, always fun to go against Paul George. I think now these matchups feel a little bit different. There's not, you know, the, the hate in the heart where we're really trying to, you know, Boom, like no other. I, I think that, you know, you would like to think enough time has passed. But uh, last time it, it was a, it was a shootout. You were there. I remember what, Paul George had a killer game, I remember. But yeah. the Pacers won. And, and that that was very fun. So I'm just excited. I want fans to be able to dream to say, you know what, Paul George, that's the guy we're missing. What if? Just let him have fun. But I want to get that win as well. I want to get back on track. I hope Tyrese Halliburton plays. If not, it's going to be a long night. That's how I feel about this game. I mean, they're going to throw a lot at him. They're going to probably put Kawhi and Paul on him at different times. Um, I'm, I'm sure they're going to put James Harden probably on Obi Toppin just because um, it makes sense. You know, yeah. I'm trying to think who else they'd put him on. Like, does he want to chase Buddy around all day? No. Probably put somebody else on him, to, uh, Buddy, to do that. And then does he really want to sit there and, and guard Bruce? I mean, maybe guard Bruce, but, you know, he's pretty good at holding his own against bigs in the post. I know Obi doesn't play a lot of posts, but I don't feel like Obi's gonna be really doing a whole lot offensively where he's just taking guys with the dribble and looking for a shot. He has yet to really do that with the Pacers. So yeah, we'll kind of see. Um, can they get Zubac in some drop coverage and try to, you know, hit some threes over him? Maybe that's the key to win. I don't know. I mean, I'm still a little bit scarred from the near what 30-30 game. Down? Yeah, I mean, whatever it was, I think he felt like one shy of it. Like he get like thirty and twenty nine. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that should have never ever happened. That was like a low moment for Pacer basketball last year. But I don't expect that to happen again. But I'm just looking forward to a good game and getting back on track for this Pacer squad. Thirty one and twenty nine with three blocks. 
It was insane. I mean, everybody in the arena was just like cheering for him. I'm like, how did we get to this point? Because you got to remember in that game, Paul George didn't play, Kawhi didn't play. Uh, it was like just like the backups for the Clippers. So yeah. I thought I thought we were gonna win. I didn't think we were gonna give up. You know, almost thirty and thirty and lose. But you know, crazier things happen. So we beat the Lakers after that. We did. We needed and them hard game winner. So, all right, everybody, that's a, that's a long episode here for you guys today. Start out your week. So I hope you guys enjoy that. You got a little trade rumor conversation. You got a little recap of the wizards and the flashy curse. And then you got some Minnesota Kyle Anderson conversation there with you, uh, as well as Jairus, maybe being a starter. What's going on with miles Turner, buddy, Hill, Bruce. Brown. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we talked about today. Action packed. So. It was action-packed, and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. But, Fachi, go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And, Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast where you can find all of our video content on there. But I do apologize because the recap video for the Minnesota game somehow got lost in the cloud. So I was not able to post that one. Uh, if you guys were looking for that, I do have the audio file that I could have just uploaded without video, but did not want to do that. I thought about even downloading some clips of the game and just putting our audio over clips of the game. But didn't want to have copyright issues. So with that being said, there is no video for that Milwaukee breakdown with you know us doing a live reaction to Giannis getting upset about us stealing the game ball and all that crap. But uh, this one will be on YouTube uh, probably Monday morning at some point. But with that being said, if you're hoping the Pacers can end this three-game losing streak, the only three-game losing streak they've had of the year so far, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop, smooth.